Welcome back, everyone. We have a lot of news to get into in this episode. We have an update on an episode I did last week. I did one on stock-based compensation, and in particular, with Google. Google has a growing problem with stock-based compensation because they hire so many employees, and they pay those employees so much money. And this has caused a lot of issues. It's costing investors a lot of money to pay all these employees. And even active managers like Josh Hone has stepped in and said, look, Google, you need to fire some of these employees. You need to pay some of them less because this is ridiculous. And I want to know what they're actually doing at the company. Well, we have a research paper here, this new article that dug into it that actually answers that exact question. And I think it's very interesting. So we're going to be going over it in this episode. Now we have some other news we're going to be getting to as well. AMC is firing people. Disney's focusing on profits. I'll go over what I think this means for Netflix and their positioning in the streaming market. And then we have some rather disappointing news about one of my largest holdings, which is Apple. It appears that they're bending the knee to the Chinese Communist Party, making it so that protesters in China can no longer use the full airdrop feature that they're reliant on to communicate. And this is part of something where I think Apple is running into trouble. I think they're going down a very dangerous road here. We even have politicians like DeSantis speaking out loudly against Apple, and it's awfully reminiscent of what he did against Disney, which I thought was a mistake for Disney to go into this political arena. So I'll be going over what I think is happening with Apple and how I think this could be a big mistake for the company. Now, obviously, we have a lot to get into. Let's go ahead and start off with a quick portfolio update. This is the Story Fund. If you enjoy seeing this level of transparency every single week and what I'm actually investing in, go ahead and follow the, the channel, hit the thumbs up button. You can support it that way. Now, I have to say this is one of my two portfolios. This one's a smaller one. I also have a much larger dividend growth portfolio that's doing actually really well. It's kind of having the opposite performance of this one. While this one's going down, that one continues to go up. So the tech companies in general just have not done well. Amazon is down like 40 or 50% on the year. Netflix is down huge. Even Alphabet's falling and Microsoft is falling. All of these companies are falling and I'm looking at their fundamentals and it paints a different picture. I see all of these companies growing generating more profits and doing really well. The one company that I think is possibly the most mismatched right now in terms of valuation and its actual fundamentals is Google. And this is a company that I just recently purchased another $2,000 of. So I actually just increased my... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Take of Google once again, because I'm so bullish on this company and I think it's trading at such a cheap valuation. When I look at Google, we can look at the, the PE ratio of the company. It's at an 18 Ford PE. That is cheap in and of itself, just above the rest of the market. But you also have a company that has $116 billion in cash. If you netted out the cash and assume they use that for buybacks, that would make it so it's trading more like a 16 PE. So this company is trading extremely cheap. It is a very cheap stock right now. And it's also basically a monopoly. It's a monopolistic, highly profitable, very cheap company. But Google has one big issue that it's facing, I think one challenge, and that's getting more attention. That is the stock-based compensation. On Qualtrum Insights, which this website's available to all Patreon members, you can try it out for free in the link in the description below. 
On Qualtrum Insights, you can see not only the free cash flow quarter by quarter, but we can also see it with the amount of stock-based compensation. The stock-based comp is in purple. Now, stock-based comp is basically a different form of paying an employee. You pay them some in cash and you pay them some in stock. A lot of people will argue that these are very different and they should be accounted for differently. I don't think so. I think it's basically a payment in kind. If you pay someone $50,000 in cash and $50,000 in stock, that costs the investor, the owners of the company, $100,000 worth of value. Exactly the same. Whether you pay someone $10,000 in stock or $10,000 in cash, it is the same at the time of payment. And what we see here is, even though Google is generating a lot of growing free cash flow, this purple line, the stock-based compensation is growing at a very fast pace. It now makes up basically one-third of their free cash flows. So about a third of the free cash flows is diluted away from the shareholders. That's value being transferred away from the shareholders to the employees. And stock-based compensation is paid to two different groups, either the executives or the employees. In this case, it's mostly going to the employees. Now, this issue of excessive stock-based compensation has become such an issue for companies like Google that it's drawing the attention of activist investors, super investors that control a lot of money. Chris Hone, who has $6 billion invested in Google, wrote a letter saying headcount is too high. Employees are being paid too much. He's instructing Sundar to cut down on this expense because it's taking away from me, the investor who owns this company. Now, as all of that has been unfolding, my question the entire time has been, why are all these employees being hired? What is Google doing with an additional 30,000 employees in a single year? And this article answers those questions. Where Google has grown. Buckle up. Google has increased headcount across the company in the past three years, but some units have grown faster than others. This chart here shows how fast different departments of Google have actually grown. We have the headcount in 2019, and you can see cloud, sales, hardware, Android, ads products, search, and YouTube. Then we fast forward to 2022 and we can see the change. Now that's a pretty big change, but one part changes more than others. Let me put them both on the screen here so you can see the difference. Here's 2019 at the top, and then here's 2022 at the bottom. Notice one department in particular has grown its headcount far more than all the others. It's Google Cloud. That's where all the growth has come from. That's the first thing that they highlight here. Alphabet has doubled the headcount of its Google Cloud unit. The Google Cloud unit has doubled since early 2019. The rapid growth helps explain why Google Cloud's losses continue to widen even as the revenue grows rapidly. So even though the cloud unit's growing in revenue, they're growing the amount of employees like crazy, making it so that the margins aren't coming up as fast as they normally would. Google's hardware unit and YouTube also each roughly doubled headcount between the first quarter of 2019 and fall. Now that's true. YouTube has doubled in headcount. But if you notice the difference here, starting in 2019, YouTube was, was tiny. It's like 3,000 people. That's YouTube in 2019, which is just remarkable to me that YouTube is running with that headcount. So we have something here that I think is very interesting. Look at the growth and headcount of the cloud business, this left bar. Just incredible. It started off with a lot of people working at cloud, 25,000. Then it grows all the way to 50,000. 50,000 people just working at Google Cloud, that one division. Meanwhile, we look at YouTube. YouTube started off with like 3,000 people, 3,000 compared to the cloud's 25,000, and then the growth was doubled to maybe 6,000. 
But I look at this and I think it's very interesting because YouTube is often cited as one of like the biggest parts of Google. When you or I look at Google and we look at investing in this company, a lot of it is because of the search business, because of YouTube, because of Android. And then the cloud is kind of like a little side thing. It's like a little, a little side part. It's nice to have as part of Google, but the main properties are YouTube. We look at this and the YouTube portion of Google takes up a tiny portion of their overall employees. This is YouTube. YouTube must be one of the most efficiently ran parts of Google, running that huge company with only 6,000 employees. And then meanwhile, we have this part over here, the cloud portion that isn't even profitable, that has 52,000 employees working at it. This is a money losing part of the company. Just staggering, when we actually break this down and look at where the jobs actually are going and what part of Alphabet we actually look at and acknowledge, I think it's crazy to see that almost all of the new employees are going to cloud when that's a part of Google that most investors don't pay much attention to. They're usually focused on search, they're focused on YouTube and Android, and the cloud is just this little side thing. But right now they have 51, 52,000 people working at Google Cloud. So if you're an investor in Google, you have to know that cloud is a major part of the company, not just some side project. Now moving on, we have some other news regarding Apple. And this is rather disappointing news. Apple's one of my better investments. I've made money in this company in both the Story Fund and I have it in a dividend portfolio where I have around $50,000 in the company. And it's been a fantastic holding. I think it's a great company. So this was especially disappointing to read. We have news that Apple is limiting airdrop in China after it was used to spread protests messages. So we read into this and it just, it, it doesn't, it, this is not a good look for Apple. It's not something that I like to see. And I think it's disappointing they're doing this. They say that Apple has restricted the use of airdrop on iPhones in China after protesters used the wireless file sharing feature to secretly spread messages criticizing the Chinese authorities. So people are using this technology, AirDrop, which if, if you're not an Apple user, you can basically just instantly share files with basically anyone. And it is instant. Like you, you AirDrop something and three seconds later, a big file will be transferred from one phone to the other. It's a pretty amazing feature, but it looks like these protesters were using it to do something the Chinese government didn't like. Chinese users who updated their iPhones to version 16.1 released Wednesday, will be able to use the feature to receive files from strangers only for 10 minutes at a time. See, there's the restriction right there. They added in a time limit. Previously, the setting to accept files from everyone had no time limit. Now, after 10 minutes, the device will fall back to accepting files from contacts only. They say that that feature, AirDrop, was one of the few relatively untraceable methods of sharing digital files in China where the social media platforms and even private messaging apps are scrutinized by moderators and the government censorship apparatus. So the Chinese government has a tight control on basically every form of messaging. This is one of them that, they, that they're now clamping down on. So basically the Chinese government does not like AirDrop anymore because it's being used as a way of transferring these photos that are critical of the Chinese government. And unlike the US, where we can make fun of anyone, including our leaders and our presidents, which we often do, we can say that Trump looks orange or that Biden looks lost and doesn't know what state he's in. We can mock openly our presidents, which I think is amazing. And I think presidents should be made fun of. That's part of the job. But you can't do that in China. And this puts Apple between a rock and a hard place. They're in the situation where they can either be defiant against the Chinese government, which would cause Apple to simply not be able to do business in China, 
or they can be compliant with the Chinese government, their rules and the regulations, which is what Apple has chosen to do because that allows them to continue to operate within China. Now, this also has the added impact of becoming a political target within the US. And we're starting to see this happen with Ron DeSantis. Now I've gone over before how I think Ron DeSantis basically dismantled Disney in the political arena. I think that he won. That exchange was bad for Disney. I think it was good for Ron DeSantis. The fact that he got reelected by a 20% margin, I think shows that people like that exchange of him fighting against Disney and calling out their aggressive attempts to change policy within his state. And now his targets and his sights have changed from Disney to Apple. Listen to this little speech he gave this morning. There's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. And so you see that report and that's very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store, because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out and Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from, from the App Store, you know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from, from the United States Congress. And so There's the warning right there. If Apple, after having worked with the Chinese government and, and placated to them and did an update that helps out the Chinese government, right after doing that, if they took down Twitter in the, same, in the same length of time, I think it would be a massive mistake. And you have governors like this that have a lot of political influence. Uh, Ron DeSantis, I think, is one of the most influential governors in the country right now, openly threatening, just saying, look, Apple, if you do this, the U.S. government and Congress is going to respond because this portrays Apple as not only working with the Chinese government, but also a huge monopolistic power that's bullying other companies like Twitter. So I think that Apple right now is in some dicey territory. I think if they did boot Twitter off of the App Store, I think that'd be disastrous for both Twitter, which it would obviously destroy their business, but also Apple. It would be disastrous for Apple because it would basically be asking, hey, Congress, come in and regulate us because we're way too powerful. We're way too much of a bully. So we'll see how things go. My guess is Apple will not be booting Twitter off the app store. I think that'd be a massive miscalculation. If they did that, I would be questioning the judgment of Apple's leaders. It would actually make me question their judgment. Now, moving on from that, we have some news coming from the streaming and media world. Another one bites the dust. We have AMC here planning to do layoffs. And this is networks. This isn't AMC theaters. So AMC networks that has like The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, those type of shows, they're planning to do layoffs. And this is another company that tried to go into streaming because streaming's so easy to go into. It's so easy to become a Netflix. It's something you can do overnight, right? They're finding out it's much more difficult. It's much easier said than done. We have a lot of companies like AMC that continue to just say that we can't make it in streaming. We can't hack it. Getting to scale is incredibly difficult, and that's where Netflix already is. 
they they go over that they have all these great properties, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, right? And they, they grew this streaming service, AMC Plus is the name of the streaming service. They say, quote, it was our belief that cord cutting losses would be offset by gains in streaming. So they'd have the losses in their legacy business, but they'd have gains in streaming. And overall, it would be neutralized. They'd be even. But that's not happening. They say, quote, this has not been the case. This is the problem with all of these other wannabe streaming companies. They're not getting to scale and they can't get to scale. And Netflix has already gotten to profitability. They're already free cash flow positive. So Netflix is already at scale. AMC's not at scale. Another company that right now is not at scale is Disney. And this one likewise is having just a a lot of issues right now. We've seen the profitability tank even with the parks holding in and trying to fund the rest of the company. At the meeting, Iger said in his words, instead of chasing subscriptions with aggressive marketing and aggressive spending on content, we have to start chasing profitability. Iger said his team would have to take a hard look at costs. They tried to assuage concerns that they wouldn't spend a lot uh, on content. And So there you have it. We have Bob Iger back at Disney saying, we're not chasing subscribers, we're chasing profits now. And this is the problem with all of these streaming companies that aren't at scale. Whether it's Disney or AMC or Paramount or Warner Brothers Discovery, none of them are at scale except for Netflix. It's the only standalone streaming product in the industry. The only one that exists that's at scale and profitable. Even Amazon Prime is likely not profitable on its own. We don't have the insight. They won't give us the numbers. But my guess is that Amazon Prime is a money-losing part of Amazon currently. And I think that Netflix will continue to grow, albeit at a slower pace, but that doesn't matter. It's already a profitable company. If they can continue to grow at a slow pace, they can minimize their debt, they can do share buybacks. This company can become a behemoth, a massive company over time. 300 million, 400 million subscribers, and you don't have to be worried about them not having cash flows like Disney or AMC or any of the other streaming companies. We have reports like this. Glass Onion could have made $200 million in the box office, but Netflix only let it play in theaters for a week. So we have Glass Onion in the theaters right now, which has received really good reviews, 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Now, Glass Onion is going to be streaming on Netflix at the end of December, right around the Christmas holidays. So they're targeting when a lot of people are going to be home looking for something to watch. And I think this is by far the best strategy. They can make a lot of money, $60 million in a single week by releasing movies like this in the box office. It creates a lot of hype, creates a lot of perceived value having it in the box office. Then they immediately put it on their streaming service and monetize it again. And if Netflix can continue to do this with highly rated shows like Glass Onion, I think they have a very good business model here. So I feel very confident in the Netflix position. My sentiment has not changed towards this company. It's free cash flow positive. It's coming out with good content. I think it will continue to grow at a steady and slow pace. And I think over time, I think I'll make money on the company. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep you up to date. That's all for now.